Come on. Let's give him some praise tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. He loves us and he's worthy of our praise and worthy of our worship. Amen. Hallelujah. So we just want to go to him tonight and just honor him. And uh, perhaps you have a special need before we go to the Lord in prayer. We are serving a prayer answering God that not only knows how to move, but moves on our behalf and works for us. He's an ever-present help in the time of our need. And whatever you have need of, he is able to do it. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you have a special need tonight? Just raise your hand tonight. Say, yes, God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you tonight that you are a faithful God, that we can always come to you. God, you're never on vacation. You're never too tired. Uh, God, you're never not there to respond, but God, you're always there. And we bring our petitions and our needs before you tonight and asking you, Father God, that you would just move and minister on our behalf. We bring these to you because we do not have the ability to do it ourselves. And we're asking you, God, to move in on this situation. Turn the thing around. Cause it to work for our good. God, I pray that you would move what needs to be moved. Do what needs to be done. God, do whatever it takes. And I ask you tonight, let these prayers be answered in the name of Jesus and move for your glory and your honor in our lives. And God, we'll give you the praise and the thanks for it in the matchless name of Jesus. And amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it looks like God's been good to you.
Jesus, Father, make us one. Amen. So uh, tonight it's still his desire for us to be one, to be with him as one. Praise God. If you have your Bibles tonight, I want you to continue to look with me in to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Scripture says, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Amen. We've been talking about this scripture for the last uh, little bit, and uh, I'm going to continue there on tonight. I want to add to that 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 3. He said, for we walk uh, in the flesh, we do war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought that uh, thought to the obedience of Christ. Amen. And so uh, tonight I want to continue this thought and uh, been uh, praying and studying this week and, and uh, God blessed us on Sunday and, and we just kind of flow in there at the end of the service, and, and God just began to speak to me about uh, some things there, and, and I wanted to preach on that tonight, but it's not the time, so we're just going to continue in this vein because we are in a battle. We are in a fight. We are in a warfare that is going on, and we have to understand tonight that our weapons of warfare are not carnal, Right? But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. When you accepted Christ, you left darkness for light. You was thrust into a war zone, into a battle zone that you cannot divorce yourself from. Uh, we said last week that just as sure as there is a war on terrorism starting in 9-11, uh, the reason why that we are in a warfare on terrorism is because People hate Americans, right? And it is the same way, just as sure as you cannot divorce yourself from being American, the only way that you're going to get out of warfare in the battle that is raging is to die. Amen? It's always going to be there. The Bible says that Jesus came because the enemy has come, and he has come to steal, to kill, and destroy but Jesus has come that we can have life and have it more abundantly, praise God. 
And so some Christian, uh, some say Christ, to be a Christian, you have to be shallow, you have to be a wimp, you have to be, you know, somebody that's weak-minded. And I was having a conversation, I went over to a restaurant today and having a conversation with a person there and uh, just sharing a little bit with them and invite them to the church. And uh, they started this conversation about uh, telling me about something on television, I don't watch a whole lot of television. I guess it should to stay up with the times. But anyways, he was telling me about all this stuff. He said, well, he's a Christian, but what about these aliens that come down and, and gave this, uh, this, uh, ideas to the people in the pyramid time. And they gave them wisdom and taught them how to build. And then they, you know, had a relation with humanity. And now that's the reason I, looked at him and I said, and you think, and you don't have faith to believe the Bible and you have faith to believe that aliens came down, made it with humans. And that's how we got our intelligence. <laughs> well, hallelujah. Amen. I told him to just come on Sunday and we'd share the word with him. Praise God. You see, but all the time that we're in this world there, we're going to have an encounter. We're going to have a battle. And just because we, because we are Christians, there is going to be a warfare. And the Bible says that, that you got to be more than just a wimp. You got to be more than just weak minded, but the Bible calls us things like a soldier. He said, be a, endure hardness as a soldier. He refers to the Christian and says to wrestle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers of darkness and wickedness in high places. He tells us that we're a fighter and says, fight the good fight of faith. He told Timothy, Timothy said, I, Paul said, I fought a good fight and I finished my course. He calls us conquer. No, he really called us more than a conquer. And so therefore to be a, more than a conquer, that means that we must be engaged in a battle or a warfare. Amen. And you have to be uh, able to go through tough times. You got to be as thick as a nail. You got to have some thick skin and a strong backbone to stand up, especially in this society. You know, theologians call this day the, the pre, uh, pre, uh, after, uh, after Christianity, that Christianity, it used to be that America uh, believed in Christendom and it, it, everybody accepted being a Christian, but that day is gone in America. It is over with. And now people are uh, looking all over. They're looking to all these gurus. They're looking to new age things. But I want to tell you today, you have to have a strong backbone to stand up and know what you believe and stand for what you believe for and say, you can just, you know, believe that Christ if you want to, but I know who I am in Jesus Christ. I know who I'm entrusted to, and I'm going to stand in that word that God has given me. Amen. We have to be a dis discipline to be unyielded to, uh, to all of these detours that could come up in our life. One that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. It's not he that begins, but he that endures. It means that it's going to take something. You got to be like Timex, take a licking and keep on ticking, baby. Amen. You got to keep on walking this walk and keep on this journey. It's not he that starts, but he that finishes the race that is going to run well. He said, having done all to stand, we stand therefore. 
to win, we must be uh, studious because, you see, half of the battle is having knowledge. If you, are, uh, if you have knowledge of your enemy, then you have the upper hand upon him. People say ignorance is bliss. They're ignorant because ignorant will, ignorance will kill you. It is destructive. Hosea 4 and 6 said, we are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. You can get up on your enemy if you understand how your enemy operates. You can be able to gain the upper hand and you can defeat him. 2 Corinthians 2 and 11, Paul said, if you're, you're ignorant of Satan's devices, he gains advantage over you. In order to win the battle, you must be aware of Satan's tactics. You've got to be aware of his devices. Because, you see, he always wants to divide, then conquer. Right? He tries to divert your attention from the cause. If he can get your attention diverted from the cause, and if you're not careful, you will uh, win a battle but lose the war. You can win an argument but lose your influence. Amen. The enemy didn't care that you won the argument. He just doesn't want you to exhibit that godliness in your life. He doesn't care that you win a battle as long as you're sitting there gritting your teeth and your face turning red and giving that person a tongue lashing and then go out there and tell somebody, brag about, I gave him a piece of my mind. You ain't got much left. Come on now. Bragging about. You know, giving them a tongue lash and giving them a piece of my mind. And, and all the time the devil is laughing at us because he said, you won the battle, but I won the war. Huh? You see, we've got to be careful. We have to have tenacity in this warfare. We have to be able to stand and not give in to the carnal desires of our life. Because the flesh is always going to be rising. Amen. That's the one sign of a carnal Christian. When you think about it, carnal Christians, uh, they, they are not car, they are not sinners that are cr sinners, Christians that are sinning. They are just carnal in their nature. You can be a carnal Christian and not be sinning. You don't have to be, you know, smoking and chewing and running with those that do and all that mess. You, you just are carnal in your thinking. Carnal uh, comes from the Greek word meaning meat, carniv or carnivorous. It means fleshly minded. A carnal Christian is one that is controlled by their senses. They react to what they see, what they hear, what they smell, what they feel. If you make decisions solely on your senses, your reactions are going to be off of your physical uh, nature and you're, they're going to be carnal in nature. And so therefore, you're going to uh, not be able to be controlling this flesh. We look in Romans 8 and it says that the carnal mind is intimate against God. To be carnally minded means to be deaf. The greatest concern is not overcoming the devil. Amen. He has already been defeated. I want to get you, I want to break off of you the, the mindset of religion. I want to get off of you this mindset that the devil is the greatest thing that you have to worry about because our elder brother has defeated him. 
Now, he is behind the thing, you understand. He is behind getting it all stirred up, but he is helpless within himself. If you do not uh, make it a way for him to operate in your life, work in your life, function in your life, then he will not be able to do it because Jesus said that he defeated him and rendered him helpless. Amen. He despoiled all principalities and powers and made a show of him openly. Amen. He defeated him and took the keys of death, hell and the grave and gave us the power over serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy, whereby we can stand in authority and dominion in the middle of this earth and speak the word of God. And it must be so, praise God. You say, well, why doesn't it happen? Because we don't believe it. Amen. We don't believe it. We think the devil's big and bad. And so he becomes that in our life. But a lot of saints are always on the demon hunt. Right? How many know some folks that can tell you about all the devils, but they can't tell you about any God encounters? Huh? Y'all the Presbyterian church or the first frozen chosen tonight? I don't know which you are. Huh? Come on now. <laughs> you see, some folks are always on a demon hunt. They're looking for a devil. That, you know, he's behind every bush. And how many are you? And what's your name? I don't care how many they are and what their name is. I've got to submit to the authority that is in me. Amen. It's not Brian Matthews they have to be concerned about, but it's the Christ in me. Amen. And the Christ in me begins to speak and I have all dominion and authority over all. It don't matter how many they are and what their name is. Jesus, when he encountered him, he didn't start asking. He just said, shut up and come out. Amen. And so we have that authority and that dominion tonight that the blood-bought child of God, we don't have to worry about all of these things. Satan has darts, amen, that he is going to throw at us, but God has given us the power over him. And so our, the enemy is, or Satan is not our biggest concern. People are not our biggest concern. Most Christians want to deal with other people. They say, he gets on my nerves. If it weren't if it weren't for Henry, I could serve the Lord. And they divorce Henry and get with Joe, and they still can't. Huh? Come on. Let me help you tonight. You can't straighten anyone out. Nobody. No one. I know. I've tried straighten some of you out. <laughs> and don't waste your time. You can't straighten me out. All right? It just don't work. All we can do is work on ourselves. And working on ourselves, God begins to move and minister in us. The real enemy is in a me. Not in the devil. Not in somebody else. The enemy that I need to deal with is in a me. The inner side of me, in the internal, in my mind, in with my flesh. My mind and my flesh have a way of affecting the real me, the inner me. Because you see, the real me is not what's standing here, what you can see tonight. But the real me is on the inside. 
this body just houses the real me, amen, and one day that this flesh is going to die and the real me will be able to spend eternity in heaven or in hell. That's my choice, right? But I want to tell you tonight that we have to understand that we have to take control of our own flesh, our own life, and not put blame on the devil. Don't give him credit for it. Don't be blaming Joe for your problem. Understand that I have something to say about my life, and I understand that this attack that is coming from the enemy is to come to take me out, but it is because of his manipulation that I have submitted to in my own life that has caused the trouble that I'm dealing with tonight. Amen. Tritonomy of God. The three parts of man. Genesis 1 and 26, he said, we are made in the image and likeness of God. God is a triune God. If he speaks, uh, he says that he speaks of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Some have trouble with the Trinity. They think, you know, of the three candles, but one light. But my, me, myself, I, I, I'm Trinity. I'm a father. I'm a son. Not the Holy Ghost, but I'm a brother. Are you with me? And so I'm a brother, I'm a son, and I'm a father all at the same time. And so the Holy Spirit and God the Father and the Holy Spirit working together in unity in the same shell, if you will. In Acts 17 and 26, he said, we are called God's offspring. He made man a, a triune being. Amen. He made him a threefold being, body, soul, and spirit. 1 Corinthians 5 and 23, Paul prays that the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. He prays the whole spirit, the whole soul, and the whole body will be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so I am spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. Right? The body is what you can see. It gives the world consciousness. It tells me that, that it's hot. It tells me that it's cold. It tells me that, that I'm connected with this world. If you die, you lose world consciousness. The soul is in the mind. Amen. When, the, when God breathed the gift of life into man, he became a living soul or nephesh, a living and knowing it. Amen. It, it, you got to be more than just say, I, I, I know God, but he's got to be living inside of you. Amen. This means that uh, whenever you become uh, a living soul, that this man is conscious of what's going on around us. It gives us self-consciousness. It's, it's the suke, the mind, the will, and the emotions. And, and their mind isn't, uh, whenever somebody loses their mind, they're not held accountable for their actions why is that? Because they're not self-conscious. They all don't, do not comprehend any longer. And so they're not held accountable for their actions because their consciousness is gone. The spirit, this is the realm, the real me. This is the realm that lives on the inside that is supposed to control everything else in me. My spirit, 
my body and my soul. This is my God conscience. Until I am born again, it is dead. But when Jesus comes, he quickens my spirit. He causes it to come alive, praise God. And so here we are and we see that he has quickened us. And I could give you all kinds of scriptures for that. But for the sake of time, I want us to understand that the spirit is new. It is born again. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. And our soul, our mind, and our emotions are being renewed as we learn the word of God. Because James tells us that we should uh, uh, renew our minds. So that how do we renew it? He said, as we receive with meekness the engrafted word of God. That word of God that you know, that's what engrafted means. Have you ever grafted in a tree or a limb? You cut the limb and you you place that other twig inside and then you tie it up and, and it's intertwined, it's engrafted. And it's that word that you catch. It's not the word that you have heard. It's not the word that has been preached. But it's that word that has been engrafted inside of you. That you grabbed hold of. And you contained on the inside. That is going to be changing your life. It's going to change your mind, your will, and your emotions. Amen. My body didn't change whenever I got saved. My eyes were still blue. My hair was still brown. Right? But it was not that, but it was if, if you had a wart before you were saved, you're going to have one after you're saved. It's not about that, the outward, but it's about the inside. It's about the perfection of my salvation, my, my spirit that is being changed. It's not about what is going on out here on the outside. Because you see, whenever you get saved, you still need to brush your teeth and use some mouthwash. Amen. You still need to put you some deodorant on. <laughs> y'all, y'all just hard tonight. Y'all just wanting to go watch Gunsmoke, ain't you? Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll move on. One day we will be perfected whenever this mortal body takes on immortality. When the corruption takes on incorruptible. Amen. We will take on that glorified body that there will be a change. That's when the trumpet sounds, right? But you see, he tells us that we will become in his likeness then. But until then, we've got to keep on working on this salvation. Until then, we've got to keep on keeping on on this side. And you see, salvation refers to the past, the present, and the future. In Second Timothy 1 and 9, he said, Who hath saved us, past tense, and called us with his holy calling until the accordance and order works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. And so he saved us, past tense, but present tense. In 1 Corinthians 1 and 18, he said, The preaching of the cross is to them that are perishing foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Ephesians 2 and 8, For the grace by grace are you saved, and not of ourselves, but it is the gift of God. So, past tense, we have been saved. Present tense, we are saved. But also the future tense. He hath, he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. 
And so it's past, it's present, and it's future. Until that time, the mind, the body are going to be perfected. And so you're going to have a fight. You're going to have a battle here going on in your flesh. Guess who's going to win? It's going to be determined by you and I who wins. If the spirit man is fed, then the spirit of the flesh is going to agree or uh, win with the, the, the spirit. But if the flesh and the our own will and our own desires are fed, then we are going to lose this battle every time. Amen. And so you've got to feed your spirit every single day. You've got to uh, take on that word of God. You've got to have a prayer life, amen, that is going on in your life because I'm telling you that your flesh is going to act like Jason. You're going to think it's dead, and when you think it's dead, it's already killed. That joker going to get up out of there and bite you again. Amen. And so you've got to take this thing, and you've got to kill it every day. Paul said, I crucify my flesh, not my spirit, not my soul. But my flesh, I have to crucify it every day. Praise God. And you see, you've got to kill that thing. Because if you don't kill it, if you don't beat it down, it's going to rise up and it's going to take control again. And and, and it's going to tell you, you're too tired to get up out of here and go to church. It's too cold to go to church. It's this, it's that. you got the neighbors might come over. Uh, You're out of peanut butter, whatever it is. And your flesh is going to tell you, you can't do it. Right? And so you've got to have the spiritual strength to rise up, amen, and, and, and tell it, uh, just, just a side note, give you something to think about. I, I'm going to preach a, a message someday because I heard some things the other day, put this on my mind, but anyways, this is just footnote, all right, where there's discussing and ba- debating in some uh, churches where that if the women should talk and all that because they take Paul's stuff out of context. Uh, and so I just put me some notes down there the other day and I'm going to preach a message someday. Tell that woman to shut up. Amen. Because it ain't talking about the female gender. It is talking about the, the, the flesh the soulish person, because the gender, when you look at the spirit, the spirit of God is always in the male gender. It is the strength. It is the one that is to take control and have authority. It is that woman, the soul, a man, the mind, the will, and the emotions. And and Paul's saying, don't allow your flesh to act up in church, but allow the soul. Hallelujah. I can't preach that tonight. I'll preach it some other time. Amen. But you see, you've got to understand that that we've got to keep that thing chained up and tied down and keep it under control because if you don't, it's going to get you in hot water. He said, Paul said, for I know that in me, amen, there dwells no good thing. He, all he wants to do is feel good. All your flesh wants to do is to fulfill the pleasures and the desires of your heart. All your flesh wants is wants to be pampered. Amen. Now, I love you, but I ain't got time to change diapers. I ain't got no wet wipes with me. Come on. Amen. And I ain't got time to clean noses and all that stuff. But sometimes, you know, that flesh wants to be pampered. Oh, me. Oh, me. You know. 
and it wants to feel good. But I want you to know that that flesh will cause you, if it's not under control, it will get uh, cause you to go out and get high. It'll cause you to want to get drunk. It'll cause you to want to cuss and to cheat and commit fornication. And it wants to fulfill its own desires, right? But you see, he said, if you live after the flesh, you shall die. You have to crucify that flesh. This is the devil's target. He is after your mind. If he can control and get your mind, then he can control your body. If he can get your mind, then he can control your life. Amen. He's after your mind. This is where the struggle is taking place. This is where temptation is targeted at. Amen. They can enter through these senses of how you see, what you're looking at, what you're feeling. All the, the, the Genesis 3 and 6, it said, Eve saw the tree and seen the fruit was good and pleasant into her eyes. So what she was looking at, what she was seeing, what she was feeling. Amen. And so these things take us to a place where that if we do not get them under control, we will begin to fulfill the lust of the flesh. The devil gets ready to attack. He will always attack your mind. He'll talk to your mind because this is houses man's intellect, his intelligence, his feelings, his emotions, his passions, his memory, right? He remembers how to go on that date. He remembers how to deal those cards. He remembers how to make that bet. He remembers how to fulfill the flesh. Quiet up in here tonight. But if I'm going to keep my flesh straight, I must keep this guy under control. Romans 8 and 5 said, They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit do mind the things of the Spirit. Amen? If this carnal guy is going uh, to die in you, then the spirit man has to be alive in you. If the, you're going to win the victory, it isn't, you know, some people think of it as if I could just get a little more of God, if I could just get, yeah, getting more of God's always great. If I could just get into service, getting into service is great. If I could just this, that, and the other, all of that's great. But I want to tell you how you can win every day of your life. Amen. And that is for your spirit man to increase and your flesh to decrease, to crucify that. Amen. In that battle, that carnal mind is death, but the spiritual mind is life and peace. The secret to living a victorious life is the spirit man. Feeding the spirit man. If you uh, lead the spirit man and feed the spirit man, he says, if we walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if live after the Spirit, do mortify these deeds of the body, you shall live. Amen. You have to have a Spirit-controlled thought life. Everything begins with a thought. Right? Come on, talk to me. You couldn't get here tonight 
except you had a thought to come to church. And your thought became actions. And somewhere along the way, your thought process said, if I'm going to get there, I've got to get ready. You got yourself ready. And then you put your your thoughts into actions and you got in a car and you or somebody drove you here. And you walked in the door. Amen. And now you're here because of a thought that you had. It's the same way in every arena of your life. There is nothing that your body does not do that it does not start in your thinking, in your thought process. And so uh, we have to control our thoughts. How do we control them? We control them by renewing our mind. You cannot let the flesh rule. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8 and 8. If he is in charge, the spirit grieves. But if the spirit is ruling, then the flesh will grieve. But the flesh will put up a fight. He doesn't want the spirit to rule in your life. The flesh does not want to give in, does not want to quit. Amen. He wants to to be that one that says, I'm in control. Because he's used to being in control. Right? Galatians 5 and 17, the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you, you would. When you were in sin, there was no restraint, right? You just did what the flesh wanted you to do. You said what the flesh wanted you to say. You went where the flesh wanted you to go. But when the Spirit, when you came into the Spirit, amen, the Spirit wants to worship. Amen. The flesh says someone's going to see you. You better not get too carried away. You better not do too much. You're going to look foolish now. And the flesh is always there. When the Spirit wants to pray, the flesh will say you're too tired. You don't have time for that. Right? If, if When you go to pray, a million things come up of what you need to get done. What is that? It's the flesh pulling on you. The soul or the mind is the most confused of them all because he gets signals from both sides. The Spirit says you better live holy. Amen. Present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed in this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. What do I do? What do I say? It depends upon who I'm feeding. And so I must keep on feeding my spirit to overcome my flesh. Amen. Romans 7 said that the good I do, I do not. Verse 24, he said, oh, wretched man that I am. Why? Because he said, I find myself doing what I don't want to do. And what I want to do, I find myself not doing. What was Paul saying? He's saying, I'm in this struggle with you. The man wrote the three quarters of the New Testament. And he is telling us, I'm in the same boat we're in. I'm having this struggle with my flesh and my spirit. And what I know I should be doing, I find myself not doing. And what I want to do, I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Why? Because I'm in this battle. Amen. Who shall deliver me from this body of this death? The flesh and the spirit are fighting for control. Amen. And we're, we're caught in the middle. 
Whoever controls the mind controls the body. That's the reason why the scripture said, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let this mind be in you. What mind? The mind of Christ. Why? Because if you have the mind of Christ, the spirit will be in control of your life and you will overcome the lust of the flesh. We are not to be conformed to this world. I've quoted it a couple of times. Be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Colossians 3 and 10. We're renewed by the knowledge. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Think on these things. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are holy. Whatsoever things are virtue. Whatsoever things are of good report. He said, think upon these things. Amen. You've got to pump the word of God into you. So like David, he said, I've hid your word in my heart, in my soul, that I would not sin against you. Amen. God uses the foolishness of preaching to control the flesh. Preaching will get down in your spirit. It'll attach itself to your mind. Hallelujah. James said in 1 and 21, the engrafted word of God, I already spoke about this. The engrafted word of God is able to save your soul. You're not going, your soul's not going to be saved on the word I know. My soul is not going to be saved on the word that Isaac knows. It's going to be the word that's got engrafted, planted inside of me that I'm going to be able to war against the enemy. Can I tell you tonight, as your pastor, I'm not good with scripture and verse. I know some, you know, that that's their thing and, and they can quote the scripture and thank God for that. That's great. I can't quote scripture and verse. But I want to tell you there's been more times than I could count that whenever I got into a situation or even while I'm preaching, amen, the word of God would come out of me. And, 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 and I may not be able to tell you scripture and verse, but I know it's the word of God and I can take you to it later. Amen. And, and it's not that I've tried, but it's because I've read the word and it's got inside of me. And whenever it needs it, he said that he'll take that, bring that stuff back, your word back to your remembrance. But you've got to put something in for him to bring it back. Amen. And so he begins in that. Engrafted word means to get stuck. It means to connect it. It means to tide with. And you are saved by the word that you know. That word that is engrafted to you. The only thing that you can use to fight against the devil is the engrafted word in you. And so take that and, and take the word of God. And it may seem like that you're, I've heard people say, well, it just don't seem like I can retain it. But I promise you in the day that you need it, if you'll take it in, the Holy Spirit will bring it back to your remembrance to fight that enemy. Amen. You can come to church and you can hear the singing. You can hear the, the praises and, and, and the word that goes in. It isn't in a certain form, but it, if the word is in a song, it'll get inside of you. If it's the preached word, it'll get inside of you. Amen. But I want to tell you tonight that you ought not choose a church based upon a pastor's personality. You ought not choose a church because it has padded pews or a stained glass windows. It has a gym or a slamming choir. 
fire. But you ought to choose a church because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You've got to have a church where the word of God is being preached because that word will get engrafted inside of you. And when that word gets engrafted inside of you, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. And so I want to remind you tonight that if we're going to be loose, then we must be loose through the word of God. Amen. And so he said, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Every vain imagination Where's your imagination at? It ain't way out there. It's right here, huh? It's in our mind. He said, grab a hold of those imaginations that tells you it's bigger than God. Grab a hold of those imaginations that makes you believe that you're the tail instead of the head. Grab a hold of those imaginations that tells you you're going down instead of over. He said, get a hold of those imaginations that have exalted themselves above the name of God and pull them down. Amen? So that you can live a victorious life. Amen? We have trouble because we allow these things that come into our life, but we never speak to them. Get those vain imaginations. They tell us that, that our, our finances are out of control and we'll never get them. They tell us sickness is coming. We'll never overcome. They tell us that we're broke and busted and disgusted. It ain't never going to turn around. They tell us our family is going to fall apart. And all of this, and we never grab hold of those things. But the Bible said greater is he. And so the greater one needs, we need to take that greater word, that power, and find out the scripture for those situations and apply them to that. Why? Because his word will not return into him void. But it will accomplish that in where it has been sent. The word does not do anything when it comes, but the word accomplishes when it's sent back. Are you with me? And so it isn't just us hearing the word. It's not us just reading the word, but it's when that word is sent back to God. He said, it will not be returned unto me void. But when that word is returned back to me, he said, it is then that I am going to meet that need, that situation, that circumstance. And so we've got to get a hold of that word and we've got to return it back to God and say, God, this is what you said. You said that you are my healer. You said that you are L L. Yom, the Most High God. You said that you would supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory. You said that by your stripes that I am healed. You said that you would save my whole house, glory to God. And you return that word to him in faith. And that word will not return to him void, but he will accomplish that word in that situation in your life. That's how you take control over those vain imaginations and pull them down. You take the word of God and you apply it to them. The enemy has some people bound in their mind. It's possible to be bound in an area of your life and be free in others. And the enemy is not worried about your hands. He's not worried about your feet. Come here, Nate, help me. Quicker, son, quicker. 
Oh, glory to God. There you go. Come here. I took a shower before I come. Yeah. All right. Look, I don't have him by his hands. I don't have him by his feet. Don't have him by his waist. But he's got to go everywhere I tell him to. Huh? I got him by one place. And as long as the enemy's got your mind, as long as he's got you by the head, you're going to be following him. You're going to be doing. You can be free in every other area of your life. Are you hearing me? But as long as he's got control of your mind, he's going to take you where he wants you to go. Thank you, brother. And we've got to get free in our mind so that we can be the children of God that God wants us to be in the earth. We're not the doormat to the devil. We're not here just holding on till Jesus comes. But God has given us dominion and authority in the earth. But we've got to get free in our minds so that we can build the kingdom of God within us. So we can establish the kingdom of God in the earth. The Bible said the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. Seven mountains culture, I'm still working on it, but the seven mountains of culture have been taken over by the world, but God wants them to return to the church. So we begin to speak to those mountains that develop the culture in this earth and declare the kingdom of God. Not when we get to heaven, but so we can have victory right here in the earth. Amen? And so tonight, I want to tell you to break loose, break out, break free from those areas and limitations and bondages that the enemy has over you. Amen? Get up because you've been down long enough. Get up out of that area, that situation. Get in the word of God and then apply it like a balm of Gilead. Amen. Apply it like a healing salve to that area where you are uh, bound in or tormented in and lacking in, where the enemy keeps attacking you at, right? Because the enemy, I know I've told you over and over, but you'll, you'll keep on hearing it because I, I know it for myself that the enemy, he's going to keep on coming back and attacking the same place he has found success in the past. And what you have to do is where there was an entry before, the next time he comes back, let him run into a brick wall. Amen. Build it up with the word of God, line upon line, precept upon precept, until that access becomes a wall of the word of God. And whenever he comes, he finds that there is no access in that area any longer. Praise God. Amen. And so tonight, I just want to encourage you to keep on walking. Keep on pulling down strongholds. Keep on pulling down those vain imaginations. Don't, don't be uh, uh, determined or don't be given in to the lust of the flesh. So I'm telling you right now, the devil isn't your problem. The devil's not my problem. People are not the problem. It's right here. And if I'll discipline, disciple myself, right? I can come out of this. 
This don't have to be the end. It's just the process where I'm going through. And the greater one will live stronger and mightier than me in the future than he has in my past. Amen. Is that all right? Amen. All three of you. God bless you. <laughs> Hallelujah. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Amen. And I pray tonight that it's just been illuminating in your life. And I just want you to just continue to take the word of God and apply it to your life. Take it. Don't take the word of God for granted. Don't take it as take it or leave it because you've got to have it in your life. Amen. Don't take the time with God for granted. Spend time with him. We wonder why that we can't, we're, we're losing the battle whenever we spend no time with God. We spend no time in his word. And then the flesh rises up and controls and dominates us. And we wonder why. It isn't magical. It isn't mystical. It's because we have not fed the spirit and allowed him to be in control of our lives. I don't want to be a carnal Christian. I want to be led by my spirit, don't you? Hallelujah. Father, I just pray tonight, Lord, that you would just speak to us and minister to us in this moment, in this season tonight. Hallelujah. Just allow your anointing and your holy presence, God, to, to come upon us here in this place tonight. God, all of us have this struggle. All of us have these battles that are raging in us. And God, we, we may look and some may be more evident in one person's life than another's. But God, I know tonight that all of us are warring against the flesh and the spirit. And I'm asking you, Father God, that your anointing and your word would be applied to these areas and we would rise up and be the great men and women of God that you have called us to be. That when the flesh rises up, we, the greater one, the spirit man, will rise up and declare the word of God in our situation. I pray tonight, Father, for those who are having struggle in their minds and, God, those strongholds and those vain emanations have taken control and dominated in their life. I pray, Spirit of God, that this word will come into them tonight and they'll grab hold of those things that have tried to make themselves, amplify themselves and cause themselves to look larger than you are. I pray tonight, God, that they are being brought down by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, that you're working in us now together, individually as well as corporately. And let us see you like Isaiah saw you high and lifted up and your train filling the temple. Let us see you high, 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 high and lifted up and your train filling the temple. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me, please?